called to follow. So this series is about discipleship. Um, it's about discipleship. It's about making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. And today will be the origin of making disciples. I'm going to read you a verse. If you are here or you've been here for a long time, I'm going to ask you, because it can be very easy to tune out a normal message. Please do what you can today to not be distracted. I think God is going to speak to every person in this room today, and it's so powerful. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, this is uh, the Great Commission, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. This is the great commission where Jesus said to go and make disciples, to go and to make disciples. He said to his disciples, I want you to go and make more disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple essentially is someone who is like Jesus in every way, shape, and form. It is duplicating themselves. Jesus was trying to make 12 of him and then multiply 100. 44 of him and and more and more and more and more and today I am not trying to hyperactive you into a disciple form I am trying to get you initiated into the process of becoming a disciple and for the next 10 weeks we'll talk about what a disciple is and some of the characteristics and help all of us make some of the adjustments to some of the traits that disciples have in their life. Does that make sense? But today we're going to start off with the call to become a disciple. Um, in uh, the Gospel of John, he would um, say it a little bit differently. It would start off as Peter is, um, is fishing in a boat, and he's not doing well again today. You can see he's kind of frustrated. Jesus finds him, asks him if he can onboard his boat, does a sermon, then he pushes out a little bit further, tells Peter how to fish, even though he is, Jesus was a carpenter, not a fisherman. Basically tells Peter how to fish. Peter catches more fish than he's ever caught in his life, and there's this crazy statement. Well, Matthew tells it a little bit differently, and I'm going to use that one, but I just kind of want to set the tone for what's going on in Peter's life, because I think what's going on in Peter's life is the same thing that's happening in all of our lives. Check it out. And Jesus was walking by the sea. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he jumps a lot further into the conversation, because Matthew didn't feel like it was all necessary to say. And he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Will you follow Jesus? Will you follow Jesus? I, uh, today we're going to talk about like making some serious changes in our life to be more like Jesus. And I want you to know that change is a difficult thing. In fact, in a lot of people, it rarely happens. They, uh, there's a lot of study today that said there's only one of like three circumstances that can cause people to change their life. A lot of it is massive disappointment or loss of family or a complete despair or disappointment. But I believe that none of that can give account for the Holy Spirit. And so I think that there's a lot of things that can change in our life if we choose to follow Jesus today. Salvation is free. Discipleship costs Everything is what Billy Graham got coined with, with, uh, with, with the phrase. Discipleship is free. Salvation, nope. 
Salvation is free. Discipleship will cost you everything. I'll get there eventually, guys, you know? Anyways, and so I think that's so important for us to know is that what I'm about to tell you today is, does not require salvation. You, all you have to do to be saved, it's a grace thing. It's not a works thing. There's nothing that you have to do to make God love you. There's nothing you have to do to earn his salvation. Jesus did it all for us because he loves us. I have to make sure that that is absolutely clear before I say anything else. But the call that Jesus made to Peter was a special one. And it is one that God is making to every man. Many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus is making the same call to every man, but not everyone answers that call. And so what I'm trying to do today is get all of us to understand that in all of our lives, God is calling us to a, a higher place. I'll never forget it. I, I hate that I'm probably going to sing it right now, but, but Clint Brown sang a song years ago. He says that, that God is calling me to a higher place of praise. He's calling me to a higher place of praise, to stand upon God's mountain and magnify his name. And, and he, and he, 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 oh, man, I love this song. It, it becomes my, uh, my highest praise when all that I am magnifies all who you are. But God is calling us to a higher place of praise. You have to recognize that no matter where you are, God is going to call you further because he wants you to be more like his son. He wants you to be more like Jesus. This is why Jesus came to define the role and the characteristics and the traits of how we're supposed to live our life, but we develop habits. And one of the problems with Christianity today, I have to say this, is that many of us think that our job in finding Jesus is to include Jesus into our life. And that's simply not the reality. If, if all we're trying to do is get God to follow us and answer our prayers, then God is but a shadow of man. He is not a vending machine that would follow us around and just be a little dummy that we call on and he does whatever we want. He's not a waiter or our servant or anything like that, but we are his and so you have to understand that what he is trying to do is he is calling you deeper to be more like him. And this is a process. It's difficult and it's hard, but I'm telling you what God is trying to do is wean you of this world. Not that you would include thing, God in the things in your life, but that you would make God the center and the core of who you are and out of that flows your life. Man, it's so easy for me to say, and it's so hard for me to do. This sermon messed me up this week. Okay, I'm going to start. Man, Jesus has a conversation in Luke. Um, and uh, the, the way that I, what I love about this is most churches would be terrified to talk about stuff like this because it's the greater call of God. This is the deeper call of God. First thing, come be saved. That's what God wants. He wants relationship with you. Now you'll find that in your life, he is doing everything he can to get all of the world out of you. And he's doing it through all of the crap and all of the stuff and all of the things that you love. He is trying to wean from you so that you want and need him more than anything else. Check this out. This is radical to me. And we're going to talk about it at small groups on Wednesday and for the next 10 weeks. Now, great multitudes went with him. And he turned and he said to them, he's talking to a great crowd of people. I love this. 
He's not talking to his disciples here. All of these people have heard of his miracles. They've heard of him multiplying food. They, they, they've, they've saw him blind eyes opening. And many of us have all seen the wonders of God and how he's captured our hearts and what's next, you know? And so we're like these seekers that would come out from the mountains and listen to Jesus. A great multitude of people are surrounding by Jesus. And Jesus is crazy in his approach to get people to follow him. He's absurd. It doesn't work like this. A great multitude went and he turned to them and he said, if any of you comes after me and he does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Stop. If you don't hate your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your son, your daughter, and even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. These are not my words. These are Jesus' words. You have to understand the same guy that died on the cross for me, the same guy that won my sin, the, the, the same guy that, 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 that rescued me from myself, the same guy that's healing me in, through and through, he said that if you don't hate your mother, sister, brother, father, son, and daughter, you cannot be my disciple. My question is, do you want to be his disciple? I don't know. My question is, do you want to be used by God? Do you want to be an instrument of healing? Do you want to be an instrument of love? He is not saying that you need to hate your mother, your sister, your brother, your father, your dad. But all of us in our life have relationships that mean a great deal to us. Now let me kind of slow this down for a second to make sure you understand. I need you to go there in your life for a second. Who in your life means the most to you? Who do you spend the most time thinking about, worrying about? Who do you spend the most time pondering about? And it may be you. You may find that you're right in every situation of your life, that your boss is wrong and the people around you are wrong and, that, and, and your life is about you, that you're the center of everything. And what Jesus is saying that I'm getting is that all of these people are coming out because they're realizing the wonder of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, the healing of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the way that he rescues and redeems people. And he's looking at them and he's saying, look, if you guys want to be like me, if you want to follow me and be like me, you can't love anyone the way you love me. Now that's hard for me because I think about my kids. But I see this in scripture. The reason why Abraham was considered the father of all nations was because he wasn't willing to take his promised son and put him before his obedience to God. But I have found that many of us have relationships in our life that we prioritize over what God wants to do in our life. And here's what I, why I think that this is so dangerous. Why I know that God is calling you to be a disciple. Because it's that very relationship that God will test the most and will rob you of joy and create a massive amount of fear and anxiety in your life. Because what happens if that person gets ill? Or what happens when that person doesn't love you back? Or what happens, we go to our knees and we cry out, oh God, why would you let this, God, why would you let, God, why would you? Because he's doing in them the same thing he's doing in you and he's trying to get your heart. And what I love in Abraham is the way that he was willing to lay it all down. 
There's this passage. There are so many things happening and people in our church right now that they're being rocked by trials. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. And I'm so happy about it because of what James said, you know, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith, it produces patience. Like God is doing such a great work in us through fire. And some of us are terrified right now. And so in, in another passage of Luke, Jesus is also talking about discipleship. In Luke chapter 9, he, he says it this way. He, this guy comes up to Jesus. I, I have to read it to you. I asked Scotty not to put it on the computer, but I'm sorry, Scotty. Don't put it in the computer. Ch- John, uh, Luke chapter 9, just a few verses before. And he said to another, follow me. Then, then, the Lord sa- then he said, Lord, let me go home and bury my father. He walked up to someone and he said, follow me. And the guy says, hey, man, if you just let me go home and bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. You follow me. I'm like, whoa, that's heavy, man. I don't know. Just after that, then he said, there's another guy. He says, hey, look. You, then, then, then also he said to another, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me go first and bid farewell to those who are at my house. And Jesus said to them, no one having put his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And we've got to decide what do we want in our life? What is our priority? And many of us set out in our lives with a priority that we want to be great at this. We want to be great in our marriage and then we get distracted and we find that we care about a lot of other things that prioritize over our marriage or over our kids or over our job. But I'm telling you that the most important thing is that God is the core and the center and the focus of everything that we do. And when we love and prioritize him over everything else, nothing can rob you of peace. There's this dude that used to say it years ago. I love it, and I've repeated it here multiple times. His name was Johnny Jernigan, and we used to go out and do evangelism with him. And he'd say, you know, we're going into some dark places today. He says, I want you to know that if they beat us up, God will heal us. And if they kill us, we'll be with God. It's good news. If they beat us up, God will heal us. And if they kill us, we'll be with God. He says, if they beat us up, God will heal us. And if they kill us, we'll be with God. And if they beat us up, God will And if they kill us, we'll be with God. When God is the center of your devotion, what can you lose? You can't take my job because he's my provider. You can't take my children or my family because I've already given them to him. You can't take my marriage because we are married to the Lord. So she she can run from me. I know she can't run from Jesus. You see what I'm saying? So you, have, you always want to make sure that God's the center and the core of everything that's going on. And when we put relationships and other people above the Lord, we enter into a dangerous spot where the Lord is willing to test you by fire. I just want you to know, because what he wants is your love. He is after your heart. He is after your heart. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we know that, but there's these people. Hmm. Number two, Jesus would go on even further in this conversation. He says three things. One, you have to hate your father, mother, lover, in comparison to me. Number two, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. 
Jesus would talk about, he would go on here in verse 28, 29, and 30, and he says, suppose one of you want to build a tower, but you won't sit down first and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation, you're not able to finish it. Everyone will look at you and they'll ridicule you, saying, this person began to build something, but they weren't able to finish it. And he said to the crowd, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. What I love about this is that this is what's going on in Christianity, and I see it all the time. Because problems happen in our life, and we wonder, because I think that we, were t- we got the wrong idea. We thought that because God loves me, he wants to just follow me and fulfill everything that I'm asking. Almost like he's my genie in a bottle. But that's not God. You understand? He loves you, he's with you, and he does want to do everything that you're asking so that he would be exalted, not you. However, this passage of scripture, I'm wondering like what's going on. Like there's a lot of us right now that are frustrated and there's confusion. Like, God, where are you and what are you doing in my life? Why are all of these things happening? But if you're not willing to give up your own life and follow me, then you can't be my disciple. He says it this way, just a couple of verses in, in Luke chapter nine. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my followers, almost the same thing. You must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. You must give up your own way. If you want to follow me, you must give up your own way. And so what I think is the problem is that many of us are asking God to join our life rather than ours join his. And so when we, when we, when we decide to follow Jesus, we let go of our life and we follow him. I think about Peter and some of the frustrations that's happening in his life. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a fisherman where that is your moat. We went fishermen, we went fishing a couple weeks ago and uh, we paid a good amount of money to go out on a charter boat, but the red tide is in. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. And so you can imagine how great our fishing trip was. And it was good. We caught a lot of fish. We brought home some fish, but it wasn't as good as we know it normally is. Can you imagine what it would be like to be Peter where this is literally how you feed your family? And you take the nets out and day after day after day after day, nothing is happening. And then some random guy comes along and tells you, hey, dude, just take that net, throw it on the, uh, just the other side of the boat. Like, you're that dumb. You're just throwing it on the wrong side. And he gets you so much fish that he can't contain it. This is joy. This is joy in the midst of depression that many of us are fighting in our life. We know that all of the life is in Jesus. We just don't know what to do. And he says, hey, look, just stop fishing. Just quit and follow me. Billy Graham would say it this way. In Jesus' day, the cross wasn't just a symbol of pain and suffering. It was mainly a symbol of death. What Jesus was telling them is that they needed to put to death their own plans and desires and then turn their lives over to do his will every day. The cross isn't just an image of pain and suffering. It's the idea that many of us have dreams and ambitions and when anything frustrates our plan, we blame God. But what if, what if the problem was actually put there by God? What if the very thing that you're fighting, God has placed in your life? And so what I'm learning right now in my life is to slow down and embrace the pain. And in that, I'm realizing that I'm with someone that I love I'm actually with a lot of people that I love. And then everything in my life 
settles down and I hear better. Because many of us are so frustrated and the anxiety is growing and the pain is getting worse, mainly because we're not getting, that we're trying so hard to do whatever we want to do. But if you want to be his disciple, you're going to have to let go and trust him and carry a cross just as he does. I don't, does that make sense at all? As he would continue, he would go on and say this. The point number, point number one is hate your family and yourself. <laughs> point number two is wear a cross. Point number three is this. So likewise, wh- whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, this one... This one stings, man. I'm not going to lie. It stings, I think, mostly because I'm American, all right? And I, I like stuff. I like toys. I like resources. And I know that there are some right now. What's happening in our church is really funny. There are some right now that are doing so financially well. They've never been in this good, and they have so much money just left over after everything God's happened in their life. They don't know what to do with it. What a good problem, huh? But in those scenarios, some people, uh, they, they've got massive family crisis. Some of them have, have some massive health issues they can't get away from. There are some people that are, that are going through some really, really difficult seasons. And I, and I realize that we're all in different places. But when I hear this and I want to follow Jesus and I want to be like him and I want to do the things that Jesus done, and I know that this is probably the greatest call that God is going to call anyone in their life is to come and follow him. And I believe that he's calling me to do something great in my life. And I believe that he's calling all of you. I am no one special. I am actually probably less special than most of you in this room as I talk with you. I'm amazed at some of the giftings and the talents and the wisdom and the resources in this room. But I think that one of the greatest calls of God is to be like Jesus. And he's saying, if if you don't give up everything that you have, you can't be my disciple. Well, I have a hard time with that. Because I've got a lot of stuff. And so is God really asking me to have a yard sale, sell my house, my truck, like Peter, leave my nets and follow him? No. Yes. Here's what I mean. A long time ago, I used to travel with this this speaker. Um, He was a prophet, and um, he was really amazing. I mean, the stuff this guy did was crazy. And uh, Rachel, do you know, come to the altar. Can you play that right now? Four, four, four. In in four minutes. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's pretty cool. All right, we're on the same page. So um, um, there is this, um, there is, uh, no, there was this guy, and he used to say this. He said that you can have anything in your life that doesn't have you. And he said, God's not, tra- God really actually wants to bless you, but there's so many things in our life that we hang on to. You ever see The Jerk, the movie The Jerk? Oh, uh, Steve Martin. It's, uh, it's a super Christian movie. You should all try it. <laughs> Um, but at the end of this, this guy gets wealthy, and at the end of the movie, he loses everything, and he's, he's going through like a, like he's traumatized by the fact that he's losing everything, and he realizes that everything will fine. You can take everything. You just can't have this ashtray. I just need this, just this ashtray and just this lamp, and I just, I just need this paddle ball. If I just, I, nothing else, I don't need but this dog, and the dog pees on him, you know, and he's like, I don't need this dog. Yeah, this dog. You can have this dog. All I need in my life is this lamp and this paddle ball and this ashtray, and, and, uh, and he's, it's funny how much in life we don't need anything but this one thing. 
And most of what we need is not what we have. We needed the stuff that we have so much until we got it. And now we're almost there. If we can just have that new pair of shoes, car, haircut, you know, if I could just, if I could just grow hair right here, then, <laughs> then I'll have arrived. You know, and it's always what someone else has that you don't have that if I get, and Jesus is like, no, you don't understand. Peace isn't in receiving. Peace is in giving. You can't be my disciple if you have all of this crap. Because all of the stuff that we want and everything that we have is holding us back from rest and peace. And so the, the theory, what Jesus is saying, is actually it's in giving it all away. To the point where this, like God is, how do I know this to be true? Because one, you find no greater joy. Try it this week. I, listen, don't, you ain't got to give here. I always tell you this. You ain't got to give here. Give anywhere. Go to Walmart and buy someone groceries and tell me that God isn't absolutely proud of you in that moment when you're giving it all away. Do it for your neighbor or someone else. I know that you know someone right now that's in financial crisis. You just may not know it. Think about it for a minute. God is a generous person. He wants to use you to bless someone. And he has, whether you realize or not, God has enough resources to give it back to you. But I know that God so badly wants you to be his disciple that he's trying to strip resources from you. To terrify you to the point where he can now show you that you don't need that. You think so badly that you need $100 or $400 or $1,000 or $10, but that's not what you need. Let me show you that. Jesus says this, and remember, we're reading in Luke chapter 14, and in Luke chapter 9, he's, also, he's doing the same thing, right? Like, if you want to follow me, uh, uh, you know, yeah, it's cool. So he says this in Luke chapter 14. I think it's really, 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 really awesome because it's where we are. And as they were, this is in Luke chapter 9, verse 57, and as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go, Lord. And Jesus replied to him, oh, you'll follow me anywhere I go? He says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. You still want to follow me? I love that. He's saying, he's saying that like Jesus, the creator of the world, doesn't know where he's going to sleep tonight. And I know there's some of us that are worried about some finances. And so I guess I wonder, if God takes everything, will you still follow him? Because I think that that's what he's trying to do. Because we came into this world with nothing, and let's face it, we're leaving with nothing. And I think the greatest moments of our life is when we're like on a vacation somewhere with nothing. Doing nothing. And that's when we're the most rich. Because we're doing nothing. And there's rest. And there's peace. And there's vision. And there's dreams. And there's great things that come out of letting it all go. 
Jesus said to make disciples, not Christians. And I think in this society we live in, there's a lot of people that are just trying to become a Christian. And I think with that, what I mean by that is that I think people just think that if I, well, if I just say the prayer or go to church or if I just, if I just get enough of Jesus in my life, then I'll be good. And Jesus is like, you don't understand. I am going to dig all this other crap out of your life so you'll be good. Put me first. Die to your own dreams and everything that's not working that you're fighting so hard to go through. Let it go. And give up everything you have and come follow me. Does that make sense? These are not my words. This is the guy that died for me. And so I think that I'm going to listen because he's the only person I know that can save a soul. What's God trying to do? Rachel, would you come? I thought this week was going to be so powerful, and I didn't know it. I mean, I knew it. I, I, my wife said to me, I don't know, but I get an impression that God's doing something crazy. And um, there were some people that texted in this weekend, and they said, dude, I really can't stop thinking about this week. And I'm like, you know what, God? I know it's, there is something in the heart of God that's saying, let go and stop putting others first and put me first and let go 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 and let go. And let go. And let go.